Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Hello, MD Nation. Before we get started with today's show, our episode is getting brought to you by The Gallery. Based out of New York, The Gallery is a curated collection of photographs from around the world. While we are unable to travel, this is a great way to bring a piece of the world to you. All prints are made from 100% recycled aluminum, giving your wall that gallery finish. Right now, The Gallery is offering our listeners 15% off their purchase by using the code 15OFF. Just go to thegallery.com. That's T-H-E-G-A-L-R-Y.com. So your wall will never be boring again. And now for the show. Welcome to Belly Up Sports, MD's fantasy football show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome back, MD Nation. Guess what today is? Today is the official kickoff of the 2020 NFL season. We're back, baby. This is regularly regular season scheduled programming. We are back with our first episode. It's not an off-season episode. It's not a what-if your draft goes this way, what to predict for the entire season, what to project. We are talking about Thursday night football and the early Sunday games. And, of course, we have a mailbag segment for you guys at the end of the show because we got star sit-ums to talk about. It's here. The week is here. Football is finally here. The only normal thing about this entire Godforsaken year is finally here, where football is actually starting on time. And even that won't be completely normal because we're not going to have fans in the stands in tonight's game with the Houston Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs. But some semblance of normalcy is finally returning to our lives. We need it. Fantasy football is here. You've done your drafts at this point. You're ready to go. Your lineups are getting set. You are on your way 
to winning a championship, and the MD's Fantasy Football Show is going to be here to help you. Your host, Dan Mater, myself, are going to be here to help you. And you can always contact the show to get on these mailbag segments, or if you just need help in general, we're going to be widely active to you guys for the rest of the season, from now until December. So call the MD Nation hotline at 609-362-2480. Contact the show on Twitter or on Facebook at BellyUpMDFFShow. Or email the show directly, mdsfantasyfootball at gmail.com. We're going to be live for you guys all season long. We're going to have those player news update notifications for you all season long on Twitter. They're free. Just, just, just follow us. Hit, make sure the notification alert's up. You're good to go. We're going to be available to you on every single one of your favorite podcast apps. And on Thursdays and Fridays only. Remember that because we will have shows on Mondays and Tuesdays, but those are only going to be available on podcasts. But Thursdays and Fridays are preview shows like this one, like the one for tomorrow. We'll be streaming live. This is going to be the first year from the regular season on that we're streaming live. We've been doing it all off season long. It's been going really, really well. Like I said, it's only going to be two episodes a week. The preview shows will be the ones that get streamed. But they're available on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Sportscaster. And now, we just just before the season started, we're now available on Twitch. Great things happening for the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Great things happening because of MD Nation, because of you guys, the listeners, the viewers. And we're here to help you win a championship. And let's kick this thing off. We got so much to cover. We have practice news to talk about. We have all kinds of things to talk about. We have matchups to talk about. We have weekly rankings to talk about. You can go ahead and check those out on www.bellyupfantasysports.com. Our weekly, my weekly rankings are up. Ryan Hicks's weekly rankings are up for week one so far on the website. We'll get a few more up there as the day wears on. Everything's good. Everything's great. We're competing in the Fantasy Nation competition this year in the accuracy rankings. See how we stack up against some of the other experts around the country. So many great things to happen. I'm in, I mean, myself, I must be in 15 different leagues. I can't even count how many leagues I'm in. I'm so excited for this season. And now let's help you guys win yours. And we have for you guys, you know, we got tonight's game, right? We got the Houston Texans. We got the Kansas City Chiefs. And right off the bat, we have big news to discuss in this game because right off the bat, we have Brandon Cooks, who is truly going to be a game-time decision according to reports. And even if he does play, we don't know how much he's going to be able to play. It sounds like he's going to be limited. Will Fuller becomes a must-start as a result of this because clearly, not only is he going to be the number one wide receiver, but he might be the only target Deshaun Watson chooses to go to. Now, if Brandon Cooks is out or limited in some capacity, Kenny Stills will step in there. Other than if you're playing DFS tonight, I'm not worried about Kenny Stills. I'm not looking to play Kenny Stills in any capacity in tonight's game. We want to talk about things not to expect. That's a great... I mean, look at this game in particular. The Houston Texans, Kansas City Chiefs. This is a great example of how far away we normally are at this point in the season. Not just us, but everybody. And what I mean by that is Brandon Cooks, we didn't know that he even had this significant of a quad injury until last week where they talked about they have been managing his reps in practice as a precautionary. 
reason. That was what they listed it, a precautionary reason. Now we get to the start of the season, and we find out, well, it was hardly precautionary. We don't know if he can play or how much he can play in tonight's week one matchup in the AFC Conference Championship rematch for week one, the kickoff of the NFL season. It just shows you how much we did not get to cover. People were not in on every single one of these practices this year. It was a shortened training camp. And until the regular season started, which was Tuesday, teams didn't have to give injury designations, or truthful ones at that at least. So Brandon Cooks is a prime example of how wonky week one might wind up being and how much we find out that we don't know. There's running backs uh, committees that are that we don't actually have a clear picture on. We have estimated guesses, but we know less about this week one matchup than we ever have. And that's a prime example of it is this game. So I just kind of want to go to that tirade because that, that thought occurred to me earlier today before we recorded this. So Cooks, I'm not playing him tonight. I do still have him ranked, but... Only because, you know, if he is out there, this is a game where I do think the Houston Texans are going to be trailing quite a bit in the second half. So I just had to still rank him in case he does play. But I brought him all the way down to wide receiver 42, meaning there's no reason to start him. Leave him on your bench. We don't know what we're even going to get out of him if he even winds up playing tonight. I'm not playing Kenny Stills. Like I said, outside of DFS format tonight on DraftKings or FanDuel, I'm not playing Kenny Stills. So the only guy I'm playing is Will Fuller as far as the receivers go for the Houston Texans. And Fuller comes into our top 10 for the week. He's our number nine receiver in half-point PPR leagues. Like I said, they're going to be trailing at some point in this game, or at the very least, there could be a lot of points scored from both teams in this game. Will Fuller is healthy as of right now. This is a good matchup for him. And if there's no Brandon Cooks or a limited Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller might look be looking at double-digit targets tonight. Of all the players... On both teams, Will Fuller had, might be my biggest must-start, you know, outside of the quarterbacks, obviously. We know David Johnson. He makes his debut as a Houston Texan. What's that going to entail? I mean, we have a lot of questions about David Johnson, what his usage is going to be, what how Bill O'Brien is going to utilize him, what the play calling is going to be now that they don't have DeAndre Hopkins. This is the crazy thing. I hate preseason games as much as the next person, but it shows you from an analyst standpoint, from a fantasy owner standpoint, when you don't have preseason games, how many questions that you have going into this week that we just have no clue on. We don't even have a... I mean, not that preseason gives us the best idea anyway to begin with because coaches aren't going to show their full hands, but we don't even have a semblance of an idea of what this offense is even supposed to look like. I rank David Johnson as my RB23, so I, I you know, 12-man leagues, I'm telling you, you, you got to start him as your RB2, at least a flex play, and you're going to be starting David Johnson while he's healthy. But man, how much do we not know? It's just, it's just crazy to me. Here's what we do know. Let's focus on what we do know, so that way you guys are make sure you're, you're helped out from this. We do know that as long as David Johnson's healthy, he's going to be the bell cow. We do know that because there's no DeAndre Hopkins in this game, is going to be a limited to no brain and cooks. 
he's going to get quite a few receptions or at least be targeted quite a bit in the passing game, even though the Houston Texans don't necessarily have that history, have that background. But I don't see any other choice going into this matchup. Kenny Stills is somebody who was on the roster bubble at one point. Now, he knows the offense, and he'll be part of that and everything like that, but nothing to worry about fantasy-wise there. So that's what we do know. So you play David Johnson, you play Will Fuller, you play Deshaun Watson. Everything else is a wait-and-see approach when it comes to the Houston Texans. On the Kansas City Chiefs side of the ball, not much news to really talk about here. Travis Kelsey was a full go in practice. He was listed as limited, I guess it was, on a Monday, but no real issue there. He's good to go. Tyreek Hill's good to go. Lock is good to go. Hardman's good to go. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is good to go. I did think it was a little bit interesting that it was just a couple days ago that Eric Bieniemy came out and said, or I should say uh, said again, reaffirmed, that's the word I'm looking for there, reaffirmed that if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is not able to pass protect, that he will not play, or at least play in a limited capacity. I thought it was interesting that it was just a couple days ago that he decided to mention that aspect again, something I harp on big time when it comes to rookie running backs, but I'm not worried about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think that's his way of saying that we're not just going to hand you the job, even though everyone knows the job is yours. I think that's his way of of getting that message across to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Outside of that, Darrell Williams has been taking first-team reps. DeAndre Washington is no longer an issue. Uh, so it's, it's Darrell Williams. Darrell Williams is the guy. He is the man. He is the one who is going to be working in with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's going to be platooning him. He's going to give him breathers. And my big question for this backfield is... Is Darrell Williams going to be the goal line guy? Is that what his role is going to be? Because I don't see Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as the goal line guy or the short yardage back. He's not built that way. Darrell Williams does have a rapport from last year of playing pretty well when called upon by Andy Reid. And if he's been taking a lot of first-team reps, then I would assume that means they have some kind of role envisioned for him outside of just giving Clyde Edwards-Hilaire a breather, who's not going to be a guy who carries the ball 18 to 20 times a game. We've talked about that on this show. That's why I don't have him in the first round. Showing your good side has many rewards. Become a donor at Griffles Plasma, and your plasma can make life-saving medicines. Millions of people depend on these medicines to live healthier, more active lives. And every time you donate with Griffles Plasma, you're compensated you can receive over $500 the first month. Learn more about plasma and how it helps people at grifflesplasma.com. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. The question, I think, becomes, is he going to get goal line opportunities? If Darrell Williams is that goal line guy, then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's ceiling might be capped a little bit because he might not be looking at the same touchdown share as some of these other backs that you take it. But that, that's the question. 
That's another question we need an answer to. It's the only question I have on the Kansas City Chiefs. You know who to play. Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, Edwards Hilaire. I mean, all those guys I just mentioned are either one or top five at their position this particular week. And Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I have him ranked at number 10 for the week at the running back position as well. So Kansas City Chiefs, go. Unite. Go. The only guys I'm not playing is Sammy Watkins and Miko Hardman because in their situation, I got to see what that rotation really winds up being. Did Miko Hardman usurp Sammy Watkins? Is Sammy Watkins still the number two guy? I think those are all question marks that need to be had. So we'll get, we'll get to see that in a little bit. Moving on, that pretty much wraps up our Thursday night game. We're going to recap this game, of course, in tomorrow's show to kick things off when we talk about the late afternoon Sunday games of Sunday night and the two Monday night games. Remember, there's two Monday night games in week one for this week. Next up, we got the Seattle Seahawks. We got the Atlanta Falcons. This is another game that very well might be high scoring. These are two defenses that are, I want to say, mediocre at best, and I think most people would agree with that. Two offenses that are very good, very productive. It's been stated time and time again that Chris Carson has looked good since coming back. He wasn't injured when he missed time in training camp. He was having some family off-the-field stuff that he had to attend to. He's good to go. Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. The only question became for the Seattle Seahawks is that when they resigned Josh Gordon, I think they did so with the intent or the idea that Josh Gordon was going to be reinstated ahead of week one. That has not officially happened yet. So we don't know if there's actually going to be an available Josh Gordon come this week. And at this point, being that it's Thursday and we still haven't heard any news about him actually being reinstated, I would go as far as to say it probably will not happen this week. And even if it did at this point, I don't think he would play. So I don't think Josh Gordon's going to be a factor this week. We might, maybe next week, we'll see what's going on there. No one's really sure what the holdup is on the reinstatement. They just reinstated Randy Gregory, who I, if, if I'm picking between the two, I definitely think Josh Gordon deserves to be reinstated more so than Randy Gregory does. So no one's really sure what the exact holdup is right now for Gordon. But as far as fantasy purposes go, you weren't going to play Gordon anyway. It was just a question of, does Russell Wilson have yet another weapon to go to or not? That was the only real question. But again, this is Atlanta defense. You love all these guys. You know, Wilson's our QB5 for the week. Chris Carson, I believe we have him. Yeah, we have him RB16, and that might even be too low. He's a mid-level RB2 to a high-end RB2. Tyler Lockett, we've talked about Tyler Lockett on this show, how we love him. We think he might finish as a wide receiver one. We have him as a wide receiver 12 for this week in particular, along with DK Metcalf uh, coming in at wide receiver 28. So he's somebody that we think you can start as a flex play, possibly a low-end wide receiver two. I mean, this is a great matchup. You take advantage of it. The only question mark that really comes with the Seattle Seahawks is exactly what is that tight end situation going to be like? Is it Greg Olson? Is it Will Disley, who has impressed in training camp over the past couple of weeks? Or is it old reliable from last year, Jacob Hollister? Now, our impression is that it's going to be Greg Olson in there as the main starter, as the main pass catcher, but they have talked about rotating their tight ends quite a bit. So that, that's going to be my question mark heading into that game. What's that going to look like? I think you have a lot of other better options outside of a Greg Olson, who, who would be our lead guy for Seattle, that you shouldn't have to play him this particular week. He is our tight end 16. You should have some other options at your disposal if you're in 10, 12 team leagues. On the Atlanta Falcons side of the ball, again, 
not a lot of news. Not a lot of things to be concerned about as far as injury goes. Matt Ryan is actually coming in as our QB3 on the week. It's in Atlanta. This is not the same Seattle defense it was. They don't even have JV on Clowney anymore. They don't have the same pass rush they did, and the secondary has been subpar since the departure of Earl Thomas. Julio Jones is ready to go. Calvin Ridley's ready to go. Todd Gurley's ready to go. Hayden Hurst is ready to go. Playing all these guys. I'm even playing Young Hoku. I can pull it up for you. We don't talk about kickers much on this show, normally speaking. But he's even one of our top kickers this week. He's our kicker five. Because he's going to have plenty of opportunities to score. So you're playing everybody on the Atlanta Falcons who matters from a fantasy perspective. And you're doing so with a high expectation. Todd Gurley's our RB7. Yeah, that's right. Todd Gurley is our RB7 this week. It's kind of the same concept when you think about a Wolf Fuller, when you think about a Deshaun Jackson. He's healthy now. He's in a good matchup. They talked about how much of a workload they would like to be able to give him as part of their game plan. 15 to 25 touches a game. That's what Dirk Cutter said. Now, obviously, it's a little bit of coach speak, but the point is that their game plan is to use him as the bell cow back. He's healthy as of now. He had raving reviews in the scrimmage from a couple weeks ago. We talked about that in last week's show. So Todd Gurley, sky's the limit for this week in particular. That's why he's our RB7 in a good matchup. This is not a Seattle defense to fear, especially in Atlanta. Julio Jones is our wide receiver one on the week. And I can look it up here. Even Calvin Ridley comes in as our wide receiver 11. So we're projecting the Falcons in a 12-man league to have two wide receiver ones this week. Atlanta Falcons offense all the way. All the way. Hayden Hurst. Of course, you're starting him. We've been talking about him as our top five tight end all week long. This particular week, he comes in as our tight end seven. And that's mostly because we have Hunter Henry coming in as our tight end five because of the matchup he has with no Mike Williams. And we're going to talk about that in tomorrow's show in the four o'clock games. So play everybody on Atlanta. That should, that should come without a doubt to begin with. Next game, this might be more of a slobber knocker or it could be a blowout. I mean, there's a, there's a wide range of outcomes when you're talking about the New York Jets and you're talking about the Buffalo Bills. And of course, the big reason why there's a wide range of outcomes, these are, one, these are two teams that aren't as talented as some of the others. The Buffalo Bills have a good amount of talent, but that's a team that likes to play conservative, likes to play not to lose. And that type of team will normally play down to its competition rather than destroy the lesser competition. And everybody's writing off the Jets' defense. The Jets' defense isn't going to be good. Don't get me twisted. But Greg Williams has a history of overachieving defenses. I mean, hell, you can look at the Jets last year and say that they overachieved from where they finished under Greg Williams and what they should have had talent-wise. Now they have even less talent than that this year, and that's, that's the concern, right? That's the concern. But this game, this is an AFC East. This is Jets and Bills. These are two conservative-type teams is it going to surprise me if this team is 20 to 17? 17 14? No, it's not going to surprise me at all. Would it surprise me if the Buffalo Bills decided to blow out the Jets 35 to 3? No. I think both of those outcomes are just as likely in this scenario. So the question from a fantasy perspective is which one of those are you going to get? And there, I mean, as far as the Jets concerned, I think it's pretty obvious. I'm okay with playing Le'Veon Bell, and I'm okay with playing Jameson Crowder. 
outside of that, no. Rashad Perryman, Denzel Mims, they did return to practice yesterday and practice in full, which was a little bit surprising given all the hubbub surrounding them going into this week. Were we going to see them? Perryman's dealing with knee swelling. Mims is still coming back from the hamstring, although it sounded like last week he was a little further ahead than Rashad Perryman was in his recovery to the field. But are you? why are you going to play Perryman against Tredavious White? Why are you going to play Denzel Mims, a rookie wide receiver who has not practiced that much in training camp? We don't know what his actual you know, playing time is going to be. The only wide receiver who we know is going to get targeted a bunch, even though this still isn't a great matchup for him, but in the slot gets a little bit of a better matchup is Jameson Crowder. When we talked about him, we talked about how I value him as a top 36 wide receiver this season because of the target share that he gets, because of the offense that he is, and because of who his quarterback is. Everything lines up for the slot receiver to just get targeted a bunch. It's Volume is the name of the game for James the Crowder. Volume is the name of the game for Le'Veon Bell. That's going to be the question of this game. Are the rumors true? Is what the beat writers saw in training camp, the 60-40 split as far as the carries are concerned between Le'Veon Bell and Frank Gore, is that really going to play out on Sunday? That's going to be the big question we're going to have and what Le'Veon Bell owners are going to want to know about. Because volume is what saved him last year. But this is the most important thing. And this is why, even though we did move down Le'Veon Bell a few a few spots in our pre-draft rankings leading into this week because of the Frank Gore news, we didn't move him down drastically. And we were still higher than pretty much the entire consensus. We still had him as a top 20 running back this season. Especially when talking about half-point and full-point PPR leagues. And the reason for that is there's no reason that he should be losing volume when it comes to the passing game. And PPR leagues, half of PPR leagues, the, you people who had Le'Veon Bell last year, you remember, it may not have been pretty. It may not have been the most exciting thing. But if you plugged Le'Veon Bell into your lineup, you got an RB2 performance almost every single week. He was almost as consistent as they came because he was getting the receptions. That part's not going to change. And with Prashad Perryman, who's not as good as Robbie Anderson, we don't know what we're going to see out of Denzel Mims this season. It's still Adam Gase as the offensive coordinator or, or, or head coach, whatever you want to call him. That all lines up to Le'Veon Bell very well might have to be the second most targeted player on this Jets team. So I'm not worried about it from that standpoint. And even against Buffalo Bills, which isn't a great matchup, obviously, we still expect him to get enough receptions to be just fine. And that's why I have him as my RB13. It's going to be one of the ugliest RB13 performances you're ever going to see, but it's he's still going to be in that range. Because his floor is just going to be that high when you're talking about half-point, full-point PPR leagues. So those are the only two Jets that you're playing. If you're curious to where we have James Crowder at, I can pull it up for you. James Crowder is at wide receiver 35 for this particular week. Remember, you can always check out these rankings that I have for you. And I have standard, I have half point, full point PPR on bellyupfantasysports.com anytime. They're updated, they're good to go. We'll be updating them throughout the week because you know, as we get through injury news and whatnot, we'll have to talk about that. Next up, well, we got to talk about the Buffalo Bills first. So on the Bills side of the ball again, not a lot of news. You don't expect to have a ton of news from each one of these teams heading into week one, normally speaking. And being that this is a training camp of mystery anyway, I just have more questions than we do actually news and notes when it comes to these different situations. Of course, the big question that we're all waiting to be answered for the Buffalo Bills 
is what's really going to be the role between Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, at least early on this season. Is there going to be a 50-50 split? Did Devin Singletary fumble his way out of it already in training camp, as some reports have suggested? Or is the the impact of Zach Moss overblown, at least as far as what his significant playing time is going to be early on in the season? Is this still something that he's actually working into and not actually at that point just right now, just yet? That's going to be another question mark about this team. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. How does Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs' chemistry match up in this particular game? I'm not big on it. I think the Buffalo Bills are going to come in, are going to play not to lose, are going to play conservatively. So I, I, think, I think you have to... It's one of those tough situations. I do not have Stephon Diggs ranked in a situation where you have to start him. I do recognize that this is a good matchup. And if you're going to be playing Stephon Diggs this year... You have to play him this week against the New York Jets. But I have him at wide receiver 43 in half-point PPR leagues. Yeah, wide receiver 43. We didn't hear really much about Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs' chemistry, negatively or positively, either way. We didn't hear much about it. We did hear that Josh Allen was still having inconsistencies reading defenses, still having inconsistencies with accuracy down the field. And I just don't know how aggressive the Bills are going to come out being. This is still a team whose identity is defense and playing clean football on the offensive side of the ball. Would it surprise me if Stephon Diggs put up a top 15 performance? No, absolutely not. Even though I have him ranked at 43. So it wouldn't surprise me, obviously. But he's not a must-start for me. He's not a must-start for me. Is Josh Allen. It's a team that might throw the ball 20 times this week because they don't have to do anything more than that. Now, I like Devin Singletary. I shy away from Zach Moss because we don't actually know what the rotation truly is going to be. What I do know is that Devin Singletary will at least get the bulk of the work or the majority of the work, I should say, week one. I can feel very confident in saying that, and he's my RB24 as a result, he's definitely a guy that I have in there as an RB2. We also need to see what this share is going to be between Josh Allen and John Brown, Cole Beasley, who early on in the season, at least, he very well might have more chemistry with than he does with Stephon Diggs, just because of the way this offseason went. So in my rankings of Stephon Diggs at his absolute floor, absolutely. 
That's why I'm not, I'm not telling you not to play Stephon Diggs, even though I have him ranked at 43. I'm telling you why I have him ranked at 43, what my concerns are, and why I would, when it comes to this offense in particular, why I would rather wait a week to see how it all unfolds, to see how their passing a game, what their identity in the passing game is going to be, and what their plan of how they're going to utilize Stephon Diggs, where on the field, are you rotating in and out, what's the split between him and John Brown, and where's Josh Allen at in his development as a quarterback. There's a lot of questions that I have that I would rather see how it plays out in week one because I do think there are a lot of other receivers that are on my team that have better matchups this week that I can count on a little bit more that I have a little bit less questions about. And that's really ultimately what it boils down to. I'm not going to blame you if you play Diggs, though. And that's pretty much it. I'm not going to play Dawson Knox. I'm not going to play John Brown this week. I'm going to play Singletary. If you drafted Josh Allen as your late quarterback, you have to play Josh Allen. Looking it up now, he is our QB 16, so he's not a must play. He's not a must play for me either. But if you drafted him late, he's probably your 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 guy. So you're probably going to need to start him. But the only must, according to my rankings, the only must play that I have is Devin Singletary. And keep in mind, in case you guys don't know, because some people haven't, Tyler Brass, he's a rookie kicker. He is the kicker for the Buffalo Bills, in case you guys uh, were wondering or trying to figure that part out uh, yourselves. Before we move on, I want to talk to you guys about one of our newest sponsors of the show called Thrive Fantasy. Now, Thrive Fantasy, you can come and prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. Use promo code BELLYUP when you sign up today and you'll receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. So download the Thrive Fantasy app today on your Play Store or Apple Store or whatever it is that you have. iOS, Android, doesn't matter. It's actually a lot of fun because instead of picking lineups and stuff like that, they give you a list of the big-name players and then the big-name players you kind of just, you know, over-under... And you just kind of put the money in. It's it's a really fun way to do it, and it gets everybody involved because you don't have to have you don't have to have in depth knowledge. It could be for any beginner because it only kind of deals with the superstars. So you know your wife, your your mom, your your grandfather who fell out of football, whoever. Even if they don't know a lot about football, this is something they can still kind of do for a couple bucks and just have fun with it. Just kind of give you guys an idea of that really uh, it's a fun thing to do on the fly. I like doing it quite uh, quite a bit myself. But moving back to our content, moving back to our previews, I can't believe it. It's preview season, guys. We're talking about football. We're talking about actual football. We're talking about matchups. We're talking about values. We're talking about wins and losses on your league. Ah, so exciting. So exciting. I can't wait for kickoff tonight. So next up, we got the Chicago Bears. We got the Detroit Lions. Trubisky did get the start. That happened last week. We'll see how long that lasts. And of course, you know, you're not starting him, so there's no questions there. The only note is that David Montgomery actually was able to do individual practice, or in, I'm sorry, individual work at practice yesterday. So he's officially a limited participant in practice because he was actually able to do something. I still don't think he's going to play this week. When the initial timeline first came out, it sounded, it sounded like he was in line to miss at least the first two weeks of the season. But if he is able to do individual work, now, on a, this was Wednesday, this was yesterday, so he's able to do it on a Wednesday. That is at least a very good sign that he could actually be back for week two and 
from what we can tell, is only listed as questionable for this week. Now, we still don't think he's going to play much this week. It would still be a little bit soon coming back from return. He's still doing the groin injury. Uh, it can be a little bit tricky in its own right. So we would not play, even if David Montgomery is active, I'm not playing David Montgomery this week. I need to see what he looks like with that groin issue and what the Bears are coming, even if he winds up being active, which we, we, we lean towards him being having more of a chance next week than this week anyway. So what does that do for Tariq Cohen? Because the Bears didn't bring anybody in. Right now, the only other running back on the depth chart is Ryan Nail. And if you're asking yourself who, yeah, that's right, who? He's no one. So could Tariq Cohen, his role be expansive for week one where he's not just the guy who they bring in for gadget plays. He's not just the guy who they bring in for receptions, but he actually might be looking at, dare I say, 12 to 15 carries this week. It's possible. And then when you add the fact that it's Detroit and it's a great matchup and Detroit might have one of the worst defenses in the NFL this year when you look at them on paper with some of the losses they've sustained... Well, Tariq Cohen automatically becomes a guy that you have to look at for DFS play. Which, by the way, I can't believe I didn't mention this earlier, but I am going to have a new show with Chris Pinto, who also co-hosts the Belly of Fantasy Live show with me on 8.30 on Tuesday nights on Twitter and on Facebook and your favorite podcast app. We are going to be on Saturday nights. Going to be called the DC's DFS Challenge with Chris Pinto and myself, Dan Mater. And we're going to be on... Streaming, We're going to be streaming on Twitter, on Facebook, and we'll be available on your favorite podcast app as well. That premieres this Saturday night, guys. And we're not just going to talk about DFS. We're actually going to give you a couple of sport bets of football lines that we really like for this weekend. So we're opening it up. We're going to have that show. That's going to be coming. That premieres this Saturday night. Can't believe I didn't mention that before. So if you like listening to me, you like listening to Chris, you like listening to Belly Up, or if you're just looking for some DFS tips or you're looking for some betting line tips, some locks of the week, then that'll work out perfectly. That's what we're going to be doing on Saturday nights. So make sure you go ahead and check that out. But Tariq Cohen is going to be one of those guys that we're probably going to talk about. And I have him in half-point PPR leagues as my running back 19 on the week. I have him as an RB2 with with possibly no David Montgomery or at least a limited one. So Tariq Cohen is somebody who should be in your lineups this week. It's a great matchup, and he's got a great situation to get a lot of extra work that we're not going to be used to seeing Tariq Cohen getting. And, you know, from all reports, he's more in shape this year than he's ever been. So if that's actually true, he should be good to go. And I think guys with speed are going to kill in week one. Think about this. Defenses haven't had time to really practice tackling. I know that sounds crazy, but it's a fundamental aspect of the game that's actually been getting worse and worse over the past couple of years, especially towards the beginning of the season anyway. But when you add in this season and the social distancing and not really wanting to have their guys come into too much contact that they could help it, defenses haven't been tackling as much. They're going to be rusty in that territory, in that, in that, in that, in that, yeah, in that territory, in that category this, this week. Communication's not going to be at an all-time high. There's going to be sloppiness. There's going to be miscues. There's going to be busted coverages. Guys with speed this week on offense, I think are going to have a huge advantage in week one. A huge advantage. So that just all goes to say Tariq Cohen is somebody who I think you do need to have in your starting lineups this week. And then, of course, when it comes to the receivers, you know, it's Allen Robinson. There's no more Darius Slay. There's, 
yes, they drafted a rookie, but I'm not worried about a rookie against Allen Robinson. There's nothing to worry. The only thing that can screw up Allen Robinson this week is his own quarterback in Mitchell Trubisky, which is in the realm of possibility. Of course it is, because it's Mitchell Trubisky. He could he could single-handedly torpedo Allen Robinson in a great matchup. But this is somebody you have to start if you drafted him. It's a like I said, there's no Darius Slay. It's a great matchup at the end of the day. We know he's gonna get targeted a ton. So Allen Robinson definitely deserves to be in your starting lineups. As far as who their starting tight end is going to be, not that you're going to play for fantasy purposes, but Jimmy Graham is expected to start. Just a little tidbit. We'll watch and see when Cole Komet winds up getting his shot. On the Detroit Lions side of the ball, now, DeAndre Swift, everyone kind of has their eyes on this. Is he going to play in week one? It's looking more and more like he might be active. He was able to be a limited participant in practice yesterday. He's trending in the right direction. The question is going to be with the amount of training camp time that he's missed. Even if he is active on Sunday, what's his impact going to really be playing time-wise? I don't know if we have the answer to that question, to be honest. And if he's not going to be very impactful as far as playing time goes, well, I don't think Adrian Peterson is either because he just got there a week ago. And there's... As far as Adrian Peterson, what he brings to the table, you're not going to play him over Carryon Johnson. Now he might spell him with a Carryon Johnson. But you're not going to play him over Carryon Johnson. And while against Chicago, it's maybe not the best matchup in the world. But remember, they don't have Hicks. And last year, when Chicago didn't have Hicks, this was a defense that you could run on. Now there's a lot of questions to go into with that. I, I mean, Detroit Lions offensive line is not the best in the world. Still going to be a pass first team. So, you know, all that has to go into it. But carry on Johnson is somebody who might be a nice little flex play for your team this week. We have him in RB29, putting him right in that flex territory. We don't expect DeAndre Swift to be hugely involved after missing the past couple of weeks and just getting himself back. We don't expect Adrian Peters to just sign a week ago to be heavily involved. So for at least week one, this might be carry on Johnson's backfield. In a matchup that isn't actually as bad as it looks on paper or at first at first glance. As far as other news and notes, and this one just came out this morning, was Kenny Galladay. Apparently, yesterday in practice, he popped up with a hamstring issue. Now, I put issue in quotes because the way that the Detroit Lions are reporting this is that he it's not it's not serious. He's not expected, at this point in time, the tone is he's not expected to miss on Sunday. The Right now, there he was limited participant in practice today, so that's a good sign, because if this, if this popped up yesterday, they already knew about this yesterday, and he was still a limited participant in practice today, then that means this truly is not that serious, because if it was significant in any kind of way, he wouldn't be practicing today at all, because they already knew it. it wasn't like it popped up today. So that, that's, that's a key focal point that I need you guys to keep in mind, especially for Kenny Galladay owners. So it does sound like it truly is more of a precaution than it is something that we actively have to be worried about come Sunday. So Kenny Galladay is expected to play, but of course, we'll keep our eyes on this, especially in tomorrow's practice. We'll know a little bit more. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at BellyUpMDFFShow for those player news notifications. But you're playing Galladay if he's active. Like I said, you're playing on Johnson. 
playing you can play Matthew Stafford he's he's actually a QB 17 that might be a little bit low but there's a lot of quarterbacks a lot of good matchups this week it's kind of what it boiled down to like literally the the difference between Matt Stafford at QB 17 and a Tom Brady at QB 10 is less than one point or one point exactly as literally the difference between my QB 10 and my QB 17 one point one way or this way and Matthew Stafford's up in my top 10 that's how tight it is with these quarterbacks this particular week. So because I have, just because I have QB 17 doesn't mean I'm saying don't start Matthew Stafford. It's really tight. It's really close. And if you drafted him as your late quarterback, the Chicago Bears defense is not a matchup that I'm definitely going to shy away from. Is it a good defense? Yes, it's a good front seven. But these teams have so much experience playing each other. He still has a pretty high floor. Does he have the big ceiling that he's going to have in certain matchups this season? That we know he can have because of the volume that he's going to sometimes put up. No, not necessarily, because I do think they're going to ha- that offensive line is going to have a lot of trouble with that front seven of the Chicago Bears. He might see a lot of pressure in his face this week. But I don't know how effect I, I don't know how effectively they're going to be able to run the ball with, with just carry on Johnson. They might put a more emphasis on passing the game. So I think he has a fine floor. He's not a must-start, obviously, because I'm a QB 17, but he's not a guy who you have to shy away from if you're taking him late in your drafts and you don't want to stream week one, which is understandable. But not a must-start. Marvin Jones? Look, with Kenny Galladay, let's say he is active and there's nothing really to worry about, but maybe he's not 100% his explosive self. I like Marvin Jones on the backside of that Chicago secondary. It's nothing to be afraid of. I like what he, his history against the Chicago Bears. He normally does pretty well against them. And we have him at wide receiver 22. So we like Marvin Jones quite a bit this week. The Kenny Galladay news only amplifies that to some degree, or at least amplifies the floor that I believe Marvin Jones might have. Now, Marvin Jones is always going to be that guy that could explode or dud out. I I won't go as far as saying he's touchdown dependent because he's not quite touchdown dependent, but... It definitely goes a long way in his top wide receiver performances, and he's always a guy who kind of gets overlooked. But we like Marvin Jones this week quite a bit. And we have him as a, basically as a must-start because we have him as a low-end wide receiver too. So Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, on Johnson, those are your must-starts for the Detroit Lions this week. I'm not starting TJ Hawkinson, but I am going to be curious as to how he looks when he talked about that ankle injury that he still wasn't at 100%, how they're going to utilize him. Is there more of a game plan to get him more featured in this offense? So that's going to be a question I have for watching the game, but I'm not going to be playing TJ Hawkinson this week. We have him at tight end 25. Next game, staying in the NFC North, we got the Green Bay Packers. We got the Minnesota Vikings. Of course, we'll kick this off with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, our QB 15. Again, kind of like Matthew Stafford, one point here or there, he could catapult into the top 10. I will say this, and I haven't updated since this news came out, but Danielle Hunter, the defensive end, the premier pass rusher of the Minnesota Vikings, did go on the IR. And it looks like he's most likely done for the season. They, you know, they say he's still eligible after three games, but he's most likely done for the season. So between that and this Minnesota Vikings having a new-look secondary, still not going to be a bad secondary, but Mike Hughes is going to have to show that he's developed in some kind of way for them to really be able to lock down at the corner position. 
Aaron Rodgers might have a decent matchup in front of him. But will Matt LaFleur come out and say, hey, guess what? I drafted another running back for a reason, not necessarily to use A.J. Dillon this week one, but to implement that, hey, I'm still a run-first guy at heart. That's what I want to do. So how the Green Bay Packers looks as a whole as their second season under Matt LaFleur, that offense, that's going to be the next question. And honestly, I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game. Usually it goes both ways. Usually you have the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers. They usually have one game that's really tight, really low scoring as a divisional rival. And then that second game of the season is when they usually open up on each other. And they might be like a 30 to 27 type of game. I don't think this is going to be that game. I think this is going to be a lower scoring game. I think there's just a lot of guys with a lot more upside than Aaron Rodgers does this particular week, given some of the matchups out there. So he's not a must start. But again, kind of like Stafford, if you took him late in your drafts to be your quarterback and you don't want to stream week one, it's not a situation where I don't feel like I can't start him either. Aaron Jones, obviously, must start. Hunter only amplifies that. He's going to be involved. I mean, there's not much to say about Aaron Jones. You have Aaron Jones. You're starting Aaron Jones. I don't think we have to say much more uh, than that. So moving on. You know, the question at the running back is what, you know, is Jamal Williams still in his normal role? Will A.J. Dillon get an early role? The the answer to that question has mostly been no from the people who are close to the team that they don't expect A.J. Dillon to be playing a lot uh, in the beginning of the season. Aaron Jones is our RB11, by the way, on half-point PBR leagues, in case you guys were wondering. So that, that's going to be the questions there, but you're playing Aaron Jones. Playing Devontae Adams. Uh, like I said, He's going up against Mike Hughes, who's still developing as a good corner, but that is they're going to be their lead guy. He also doesn't shadow. So Adams isn't going to see shadowing. He's going to get moved all around the field because you've got to get Adams the best miss, the mismatches because he can because you don't actually have uh, a receiving core that you really respect or really care about having to get the ball. So you're going to have to get Devontae Adams the ball. He's the one guy that I think can rival Michael Thomas as far as targets go this season because he's in a similar situation where he's just he's the guy. It's him and then... Frankly, it's nobody else. So he's a guy who's going to be game-planned to get like 8 to 10 targets a game. And this isn't a matchup that scares you. He's our wide receiver four on the week. Not that you were debating whether or not to play Devontae Adams. But there's nobody else who I'm playing. Jay Sternberger, I want to see how that tight end situation goes. Is Mercedes Lewis still the starter because of blocking purposes? How much does Jay Sternberger get on the field? How much does Aaron Rodgers look for him? Could he be that second target to Devontae Adams? It's in the realm of possibility, but these are questions that we'll have while watching the game. And we'll talk about them on Monday when we recap all these games. On the Minnesota Vikings side of the ball, not a lot of news or notes there. You know, obviously you play Dalvin Cook, our RB4 for the week. Remember what the 49ers did against the Green Bay Packers defense last year in that playoff game? same system that Gary Kubiak's running is Dalvin Cook that defense Dom Capers is just not very good against that type of offense for whatever reason he's never really been able to adjust to it I mean Dalvin Cook very he his ceiling is is RB1 this week it is I'm not I'm there's nothing about the Green Bay Packers defense that scares me as far as run defense goes so you have possibly you have the possibly a guy who could finish the RB one this week. 
The big thing is Adam Thielen. This is where I'm going to get a lot of people. So Adam Thielen is not a must-start. Not for me. He's my wide receiver 36. So I have him at the very end of the wide receiver three, if you have three receivers starting, and as a flex guy. So he is somebody who I'm starting, but he's not a must-start. Wide receiver 36, he's on the very tail end of the guys that we would have starting in our lineups in either three receiver leagues or flex leagues. Or two receiver leagues with, with a flex. That's what I mean by that. I know. I've already, I mean, my rankings went live. I think it was on Tuesday. I already got a bunch of negative feedback for this, and I expected that. I didn't care. And those of you who didn't watch my rankings and are listening to the show or watching this show right now are, are probably all dropping your jaws too because I seem to be the only one who recognizes that this offense being run first, that Adam Thielen without Stephon Diggs when having to play on the perimeter is not the receiver that he is with Stephon Diggs playing in the slot. He's not the same guy. And when you combine that Green Bay has a pretty good secondary that's also young and still developing, and they might be ready to take a next step up this year. When you combine that last year, week one, Kirk Cousins threw the ball, what, not even 20 times? I just talked about how Gary Kubiak and Dalvin Cook, what they might be able to do to this Green Bay defense as far as running the football goes. There's not going to be a pressing need for the Vikings to throw it in this game. I'm going to tell you that right now. So we are looking at probably less than 30 passes when you think about it. Does Adam Thielen get force-fed 50% of those? He could. That's definitely within the realm of possibility. Am I projecting him? Am I ranking him at his floor? Yeah, probably. But you have to take these things into consideration. We have not seen him having to play on the perimeter without Stephon Diggs as the number one guy. He, without having that 1A, 1B. Justin Jefferson, I like Justin Jefferson, but we still got to see how much playing time he's even going to have because this is not an offense that plays three receivers a lot. But even when they do, it's Jefferson in the slot. B.C. Johnson isn't somebody who I expect to get a lot of work or be a big factor. So it does point to Adam Thielen getting a lot of targets, but it also points to a defense who has a good young secondary that, hey, you know what? We can cloud cover Adam Thielen, especially if he's going to be on the perimeter majority of the time, and take him out of games. And I've seen him disappear when that happens. He's not the type of wide receiver who can go up against double coverage on a consistent basis or cloud coverage. And still, he's not Michael Thomas. He can't still come away with the ball on a consistent basis, even when that's the, even when that defense is tilting completely towards him. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. He'll disappear in those situations. I expect Green Bay to do that against him week one. 
So I still have him as a starter. He's still going to get overwhelming majority of the targets. Still in wide receiver 36. Still somebody you can play in your lineup. But I don't have him for a high ceiling, and he's not a must-play for me. Wide receiver 36. Low-end wide receiver 3 flex play at best this week. I know a lot of people don't agree with me, but that's, that's, that's the one I'm holding on to. That's the one that I feel very confident about as far as guys who I'm not excited about going into week one. And we talk, this is consistent from what we talked about in the offseason because I wasn't big on Adam Thielen this entire year. He was one of my bus guys in the best five, bus five, sleeper five wide receivers that we talked about a few weeks ago. Everyone's amping him up. Well, he's the number one receiver in a Kubiak offense. The number one receiver typically does do well in a Kubiak offense. But that number one wide receiver is usually a true prototypical perimeter wide receiver one. Adam Thielen is not. That's the problem. That's the difference. So we'll see. Like I said, he's still somebody who you can plug in your lineup. Still in wide receiver 36. I'm not saying Benjamin. But we're definitely the lowest on Adam Thielen out of really almost probably anybody out there. And we'll see what happens. I could be wrong. I'm wrong a lot. Anybody who does this, you know, does the fancy extra thing, does the rankings, are, are going to be, we're going to be wrong more than we're right. It's just being, you know, right more than the other guys or being right as much as we can or giving, not even being right or wrong. It's about giving you all the information, all the takes, all the variables to give you the best possible perspective to be the best fantasy player that you can possibly be. That's what it's about. So at the end of the day, I'm just warning you of caution to get o- before getting overly excited by Adam Thielen and this crazy volume that he might get or might not. That's the big one that I know is going to get a lot of people. As far as everybody else, it's Cook, it's Adam Thielen. Like I said... You can start outside of that. I'm not playing anybody else in the Minnesota Vikings. Not playing Kirk Cousins. You can't play Justin Jefferson yet until you see exactly how this workload's going to uh, play out. And there's nobody else of note. We we the only other question I'm going to have that I'm going to be interested to see is do the tight ends get more involved in the passing game this season, which could be a possibility with no more Stephon Diggs. And of the two. You know, does Irv Smith take the next step up over Kyle Rudolph when it comes to actually catching the ball for the tight end position, or is Kyle Rudolph still heavily involved? Next game, Miami Dolphins, New England Patriots. I have a lot of questions in this game. Not a lot of news and knows. Devontae Parker returned to practice on Wednesday. He's been limited capacity, but it looks like what they have stayed true on, their message has been for the past couple of weeks that he would definitely play week one is going to be the case. So no no reason to worry about Devontae Parker from a health standpoint. I don't love him against Stephon Gilmore necessarily in this week one matchup, but there's no reason to be worried about him from a health standpoint. We have him ranked... Where do we have? We have Devontae Parker ranked wide receiver 23, so as a low-end wide receiver 2 this particular week. Still could be a lot of targets his way. Still expect the Patriots to win this game. So I still expect the Dolphins to have to be coming back and throwing uh, throwing a bunch in the fourth quarter. And it's still Ryan Fitzpatrick. We know that he's the one guy out there who just he has no problem throwing jump balls to his outside perimeter wide receivers. And he'll do that with Devontae Parker. So I don't love the matchup. I don't love his ceiling, but I still have him as a low-end wide receiver too. Not playing Fitzpatrick against the Patriots. That's not happening. Jordan Howard, Matt Breida, and this is gonna be this is gonna be the other question. What is truly the the split as far as playing time goes between these two? I mean, our expectation 
is in line with what the reports have been from the coaching staff as far as what you know is going on in camp as far as what they see and that's we expect Jordan Howard to get the bulk of the carries and we expect Matt Breida to get the bulk of the receptions the question is going to be how many carries does Matt Breida get ultimately Matt Breida is the guy we think is going to have more value by the end of the season but Jordan Howard we know as long as he's getting his carries as long as he's getting his goal line work he becomes a very valuable flex asset at least because of what he's able to do I mean he, he he's always a guy who gets undervalued, but he's always efficient when he's actually out there on the field. And that's the other thing, too. We got, we got Jordan Howard, we got Matt Breida, two guys that have not been the most durable over the past couple of seasons. Now, in half-point PBR leagues, we have Matt Breida ranked ahead of Jordan Howard. We have Matt Breida at running back 26, so more of a flex guy situation that we're kind of looking at there. And I'm trying to find Jordan Howard at the moment, having a little difficulty doing that. Um, but... Jordan Howard, we have him being more valuable in a standard league because he's more likely to get the goal line carry and get the touchdowns. We have we have Jordan Howard at running back 32 in half-point leagues. So we have him in that flex category as well. Now, here's the one thing I do like for Matt Breida and Jordan Howard. There's no Donta Hightower for the New England Patriots. He opted out for the year. And whenever Hightower has not been in the lineup... They have struggled defending against the run. Now, I don't know what adjustments Belichick has made because, you know, in this case, he's had a month to know that he's not going to have Hightower to per, for the entire season. So I'm sure, being that he's Bill Belichick, he's trying to find or has found some way to adjust to that. But, you know, that's been their Achilles heel throughout the past couple of years. Whenever Hightower was injured, you knew that you were going to be able to run on the New England Patriots that week. It's just how it worked. Chan Gailey, as much as he likes to go four wide receivers, he likes to run the ball too. So I think this might actually be a decent matchup for Matt Breida and Jordan Howard as well this week. And I kind of like Matt Breida a little bit in DFS because he is that type of guy. We know that if he gets a seam, if he gets a path, he can break one. We've seen him do it time and time again when he was in the San Francisco 49ers. Didn't get a lot of touches, but when we had the opportunity to break one, he took advantage of it. He might have that a couple times this game. So kind of interesting in that sense as flex guys that we're talking about there with Matt Breida and Jordan Howard, depending on the scoring format that you're in. Preston Williams. I'm not playing Preston Williams this week. Again, this is still a good New England secondary, even though they lost some guys. But I'm definitely going to be watching him very, very closely. Remember, last year, Preston Williams, Devontae Parker pretty much were 50-50 as far as the target share goes for the wide receivers in Miami Dolphins in Preston Williams' rookie year. It wasn't until he got hurt that Devontae Parker blew up. It wasn't until he got hurt that Mike Gesicki blew up. So I'm not going to play Preston Williams this week, but I'm going to be watching him very closely. Are you 100% healthy? Because you are coming back earlier than necessarily expected at this point. So are you 100% healthy? Do you look like the guy who last year struck us as somebody who very well might be on his way to legitimate wide receiver one, not, not wide receiver one in fantasy, but legitimate prototypical NFL starting wide receiver perimeter guy he looked like he was on his way to being that guy being a Cortland Sutton type an AJ Brown type of guy who looks like he's coming into a budding superstar he looked like he was that guy so are you back to that or are you going to need a year coming off the ACL to get back to your explosiveness these are things that we're going to watch as far as Preston Williams goes but he's only our wide receiver 49 he's not somebody that we're playing in in, in this week in fantasy Mike Isicki he's a guy who I have a big question mark on I'm not as high on Mike Isicki as a lot of people are definitely not against the New England Patriots 
They're very good. Typically, now they don't have Patrick Chung, and we're going to have to see exactly how that plays out when guarding a tight end. But typically speaking, this has been a defense been pretty tough against tight ends in the past. And again, Chan Gilly, how are you going to use Mike Gesicki? This has been my big question. This is the big big reason why I haven't been big on him. Is because Chan Gailey has yet to show me that he's going to feature a tight end position in his offensive career. And that's been a big reason why I haven't been big on Mike Gesicki. I also want to know, have you taken the next step up in your route running abilities? Because I point out time and time again, for a guy who is as athletic as he is, which is the biggest reason why the people who are Mike Gesicki lovers are on his bandwagon because of his athleticism, right? Well, did you take it and implement it into your route running? Are you getting separation now on a higher level? So I have a lot of question marks when it comes to Mike Gesicki. I'm not playing him this week. He's not a guy who I would have in my starting lineup, and that should come as no surprise when we talked about him this offseason. I have him at tight end 20, but I do have him as a guy that definitely to watch because there's a lot of question marks where if it goes the other way, maybe Chan Gailey uses him as a more of a wide receiver hybrid than just a tight end. Maybe he has improved his route running capabilities and his separation abilities. If those things ring true, then Mike Gesicki might be the sleeper that some people out there think him to be. Or it could go the way that I've been more leaning towards, which is this offense is not built around utilizing a tight end. Mike Gesicki is a better athlete than he is a football player. So we're going to be watching that closely to see our early indications on that battle one way or another. But outside of Devontae Parker and possibly Howard or Brita as flex plays, I'm not playing anybody else in the Miami Dolphins. As far as New England Patriots go, obviously, Cam Newton, one of his, one of our sleeper quarterbacks, we love him. Cam Newton is a guy that we have ranked as a QB 14, but he definitely has top 10 potential against the Miami Dolphins. We're being more conservative on him because, well, we don't know where his shoulder's at. We haven't been able to see too much of him. Julian Edelman is the only wide receiver that apparently not only that he looks for, but really in our estimation, the only wide receiver who's dependable for him to go to in the first place. And we also have to see exactly what type of offense the Patriots are going to run with Cam Newton. Are they going to run more of an RPO power type of team around him where he's going to be able to utilize his legs more so? Is that going to definitely be the case? But I do like the matchup here. And if they do let him run, I like what he might be able to do for you from a fantasy perspective. So he's somebody who's definitely a streamer quarterback, a sleeper quarterback for us this week, but not a must-start if you have other options. Sony Michelle, I actually find interesting this week, too. I have him ranked one spot behind Matt Breida at RB27. While the Dolphins have a very good secondary this year, especially since it seems like Xavier Howard as is actually going to be able to allow to, to play week one, they do not have a great front seven when it comes to run stopping. Damian Harris is out. We know Rex Burkhead is a guy who's a little bit annoying with the touches that he gets, but it's not going to be significant. We know James White's going to get the receptions. The question is, what do we expect out of Sony Michelle? Now, there's been talk that they're going to ease him back in, but I don't think they have really have a choice to ease him back in. I don't, unless their plan is going to actually utilize Rex Burkhead to a more significant degree. I don't see how Sony Michelle is not the overwhelming majority ball carry. I don't see how this isn't like it was last year, where it was Michelle and James White's backfield with no Damon Harris this week. And it's not a matchup that you shy away from. So Sony Michelle is somebody that we have in a flex conversation as an RB three. 
James White. I think he's one of the safer Patriot players to play, and I would play him this week. Regardless, I definitely trust that Cam Newton, if he doesn't find Julian Edelman, will check it down to James White. And he's just, as, as long as he's getting his targets, he's as safe as they come. Now, I actually have him ranked a little bit lower than Sony Michelle this week. But I have him at RB30 overall. And he's always going to be that guy who's going to be more of a high floor flex play for you on any given week. You're never playing James White with a big ceiling. But I'm okay with playing him in the flex this week. Julian Edelman is the only wide receiver that I'm starring on the New England Patriots. And maybe the only wide receiver that I start on the New England Patriots all year long. Because I'm not a fan of Nikhil Harry. Not a fan of his talent. Never have been going back to last year coming out of college. And I haven't heard anything to, to sway my mind. If anything, it's been reaffirmed that I've questioned this guy being able to get separation and actually making himself be available. And I've talked about this before. If Cam Newton... Cam Newton's not a guy who throws you open. He's a guy who has to see you get open. I think that's why there's been so many reports about him staring down, waiting for Julian Edelman to get open. Because Julian Edelman gets open. He doesn't have to throw him open. You have to throw Nikhil Harry open. Cam Newton doesn't do that. So I don't think that's going to be a great match. Now, will he revert back to his Kelvin Benjamin days, his Devin Funches days, where there's going to be times he's just going to throw it up there and try to let Nikhil Harry go after a 50-50 ball, especially when you get closer down to the red zone? Yeah, but it's not going to be... Nikhil Harry doesn't have the, the talent of a young Kelvin Benjamin. He's not that much of an ogre. So I don't think this is going to be a match made in heaven. And Cam Newton, at this point in his career, is a different quarterback than what he was then. He's not a guy who I think is going to look to launch the ball down the field all the time. I think he is going to try to play it more conservatively when it comes to the passing game, especially just to give him, if nothing else, to give him less wear and tear on that shoulder. So I like Julian Edelman. He is our wide receiver 19, so we do have him as a solid wide receiver too, and that's it. I'm not playing anybody else. Before we get into our last few games and then our mailbag segment, we got to pick it up here a little bit. Before we get into that, I do want to talk to you guys about a sponsor of the show who's been with us for a while called Prop Me. PropMe is a new innovative gaming platform and really the first of its kind. It makes per- betting from person to person more easy than ever. Just download the app and join the fun at PropMeLLC.com today. Moving right along here, right after the New England-Miami uh, England game. A few more games to talk about. We have, if I can ever pull this up, we have the Philadelphia Eagles, and we have the Washington Redskins. Now, on the Eagles' side of the ball, surprisingly enough, Jalen Rager was actually back at practice in a limited capacity. We still, we still do not believe that he is going to play week one. But this definitely bodes well for his possible week two availability. But here's the thing about Jalen Rager. Because he, has to, he had to miss the last few weeks of training camp due to this injury, and he seemingly is coming back faster than the original timeline was set for, we don't know what his impact is even going to be once he's actually back and active. So he's somebody who I'm more okay with as a pickup, or if you drafted him, I, you know, you're, you keep on stashing him. But I don't think you're going to really be able to utilize this guy until the second half of the season, or until Deshaun Jackson gets hurt, whichever you know, whichever comes first. But I think that's what it's going to have to take for Jalen Rigger to have fantasy value. But it was interesting that he came back to practice today. The big question is Miles Sanders. It sounds like it's leaning more towards him being active, but I will say the comments coming out of Doug Peterson yesterday were not very uh, confident building, not inspiring. There's a good word looking for it. Not inspiring to me uh, when it comes to wanting to play Miles Sanders. Now, if he's active, you got to play him. 
You drafted him as a RB1. It's against the Washington Redskins. Or I'm sorry, it's against the Washington football team. God, I have to get better at that. It's against Washington football team. Washington football team. Washington football team. You say it three times, and hopefully you actually remember it. But it's a great matchup. We have him at RB20. The reason we have him as low as we do is because we're a little bit concerned about the comments that Doug Peterson talked about yesterday, which was that they might, even though he might be active, they might ease him in. They might not give him a full workload this week right off the bat. Now, we're not starting Boston Scott over Miles Sanders if he's active, to be clear there. The only way we would start Boston Scott at all or even contemplate him in our lineups would be if Miles Sanders is actually going to miss the entire game. But now DFS might be a little bit of a story if you want to take a contrarian play if we, if we find out for sure that Miles Sanders is going to be limited, which we won't do until Saturday. But if he's out there, you got to play him. It stinks that he already has a hamstring injury. Especially this is one of the few guys we're looking at that was really in line to have a, a huge workload because they didn't bring in anybody else. But it's also the fact that they didn't bring in anybody else that I think he's going to be active and more on the side of being close to 100% than not this Sunday. Because if they were really, truly worried that Miles Sanders was not going to be able to play this Sunday or that they wouldn't be able to use him that much, I feel pretty confidently that they would have brought in another running back of sorts. Maybe not necessarily a Devontae Freeman type, but even even just a, just a guy off the practice squad. They haven't done that. It's still just Boston Scott and Corey Clement behind him. So I think that's why it's a good indication that Miles Sanders is definitely going to play this week, and he has to play in your lineups, but maybe tamper your expectations and have him in your mind as more of a guy who might be giving you low-end RB2 production this particular week rather than the low-end RB1 that you would hope for when you drafted him and what you would normally hope for in the matchup against Washington football team. Got to write that time. Now Carson Wentz, you're starting him. While this might be an improved pass rushing secondary, uh, improved pass rushing front seven for Washington, this is still not a secondary to fear of. And if Miles Sanders is in fact going to be limited, well, this team's going to do nothing but throw the ball. So I like Carson Wentz. We have him as a QB six this week. He's a must start for us. Deshaun Jackson is a big time sleeper for us this week. Every single league that I have Deshaun Jackson in, he is starting for me this week. Is it partly what he did to Washington last year in week one? Yeah, it's partly due to that. We know he always loves those revenge games. It's also a fact that he's going to be the number one targeted wide receiver this week. There's no Jalen Rager, probably. There's no Alshon Jeffrey, definitely. He's definitely not going to play this week. He might be back in week three, week four is what we're looking at for him, but he's definitely going to play this week. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, I'm not a fan of his talent anyway, but not a guy that we expect to get a lot of targets out of. Greg Ward's going to be the start, starting slot receiver going into this week. Again, another guy that is just a guy at this point. So the only the only person on the team, that Deshaun, and, and Miles Sanders limited, so the only person on the team that Deshaun Jackson is going to be competing for for those top targets on the team overall this week is Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz might out-target him, but as far as the wide receivers go, it's going to be Deshaun Jackson. And I, there's nobody in the secondary who can stay with him. All, all, all reports have been that Deshaun Jackson is as fast as he's ever been. We're big on Deshaun Jackson this week. Every single team I have. And I have him ranked at wide receiver 27. So I'm not like saying I have him ranked you know, in the top 15 or anything like that. I have him pretty much in the wide receiver 3 territory. But he's a wide receiver 3. He's a flex play that I think you have to start. Ertz, obviously. Start him. 
if you wanted to start Dallas Goddard as a streaming tight end, this is a particular week that I could look at doing it because of the lack of weapons and the guys who are already injured for the Philadelphia Eagles. But still do so knowing that he is a touchdown-dependent guy for your fantasy teams this week. Moving on to the Washington side of the ball, Terry McLaurin. That's it. And even then, I, I have some reservations about exactly the ceiling of a Terry McLaurin this week because he has to go up against Darius Slay. Remember, this is not the same Philadelphia Eagles team that we've seen the last couple of years. This is a secondary that you're not just going to walk in and take advantage of. They have Darius Slay now. He's going to be able to take out the number one receiver on the opposing team. So we still have Terry McLaurin as a guy. If you drafted him, you started him. We have him at wide receiver 29, so we have him more with wide receiver 3 territory, but that's why we have him lower. We don't have him as a guy who I think has a big ceiling this week because he's going to have to be matched from Darius Slay. We don't like that matchup. And the rest of his offense, there's nothing else to key on to take attention away from Terry McLaurin. And Darius Slay is one of the few guys who'll follow McLaurin wherever he goes, and then you're still dealing with, you know, where's Dwayne Haskins at in his development? We still don't know exactly what that running backfield is going to be like, that's why I'm not saying you do not start Antonio Gibson. Number one, the Eagles defense has been pretty good against the running backs for the past couple of seasons, and I don't expect that to change this year. But number two, uh, we don't know exactly what his carry workload is going to be or what Peyton Barber's involvement is going to be or the guy who's actually listed as a starter, even though I think it's a, a joke, is J.D. McKissick, what exactly his involvement is going to be. That's going to be a big thing we're going to watch this week. What's the rotation in that backfield right now early in the season? Is Antonio Gibson somebody who's going to probably take over at some point this year? Yes, but I don't think it's automatically right out of the gate. That's why I don't have him as a must-start. I do have him in the flex territory because when you think about Terry McLaurin being taken out by Darius Slay, think about what the Eagles will probably be in the lead by a couple of scores most of this game. They probably will have to throw the ball quite a bit in the second half, and Antonio Gibson might eat off of that, and we have him at RB31 as a result. But he's still a flex play, and I would lean towards having better options, having guys I'd rather play than Antonio Gibson, and let this thing kind of play out week one. Next up, Raiders, Panthers. This is a game that might have shootout potential. On the Raiders side of the ball, it's pretty it's pretty clear-cut who, you, who you're playing. Josh Jacobs has to play obviously this will be our first crack to see does he is he actually in line to get double the receptions from last season Are the Raiders who have talked about him being more involved in the passing game does that actually ring true and this will be our first crack at seeing that we have him as an RB9 this week it's a great matchup against Carolina Panthers I mean this is a defense that you're going to go hog wild on as far as your offensive players go Brian Edwards, we like him. He's one of my favorite DFS plays this week. We'll talk about him on that Saturday night show, the DC's DFS Challenge. Make sure you tune into that around 9.15 on Twitter or on Facebook. We'll be going live. We're going to talk about him because he's one of my favorite guys. I actually have him, uh, I believe, in the top 36 of wide receivers. I do. I have him at wide receiver 33. Look, Henry Ruggs has been good and all. And they've liked him throughout training camp. But they talk about, well, we'll play him in the slot. We're going to move him around. We're going to do this and that. The one guy they have stayed consistent on from the get-go was going to definitely be a starter from week one. Before the Tyrell Williams news came out of him going on the IR, which has pretty much catapulted Henry Ruggs into being the other starting wide receiver. But before that injury happened, it was Henry Ruggs going to play a little bit in the slot. We're definitely going to work him in. But Brian Edwards is definitely our outside receiver starter. Definitely. And if nothing else, if Brian Edwards walks into the Tyra Williams role of last year, well, we know he's going to be utilized in the red zone. 
We know he's a big body wide receiver. We know he fits that. We know he has a better skill set than what it was he was drafted at. So we like Brian Edwards a lot, especially in a game with a great matchup and a game that could be a shootout. So I like Brian Edwards quite a bit here. And Henry Ruggs, I even like him as a DFS play this week as well for obvious reasons. Great matchup and a guy who's definitely going to be explosive. And we have him as wide receiver 45. He's not a guy that I think you have to start in your redraft leagues because we still don't know exactly what the volume and share is going to be. But I think Brian Edwards is in a situation where I can expect five to six targets out of him minimum. And that's why he enters the flex conversation in your redraft leagues this week. If maybe you have a guy who's banged up a little bit or if you guy have a really tough matchup and you'd rather go with somebody who has a bigger possible ceiling. Not starting Hunter Renfro. I do want to see how Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller coexist on the field together. That's the question that I'm going to be looking for because last year when Hunter Renfro was on the field, it killed Darren Waller's value. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. But as I said going into the show, with Tyra Williams now gone, Dur- Darren Waller out with Ronta Renfro, the only guys really from last year for Derek Carr, Waller being around a little bit longer, he's really the biggest veteran presence as far as the pass catchers go for Derek Carr. So does that wind up being what the trump card, basically, between the two? So that's going to be something interesting to see. Darren Waller is somebody you're definitely starting at a tight end position. Obviously, you drafted him. You drafted him as a tight end one. We have him as tight end six on the week. On the Carolina side of the ball, again, nothing of news or noteworthy, no injuries we got to talk about, thankfully. Teddy Bridgewater is one of our top streaming quarterbacks of the week. Again, going up against one of the worst defenses in a game that could very well be a shootout, we have him at QB 11. We have him as a guy with a high ceiling this week. This is going to be our first chance to see Matt Rule and Joe Brady implement this new offense with this new quarterback and with all these great weapons. Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Ian Thomas, who's 100% full, who was practicing in full uh, yesterday coming off the toe surgery, and then Christian McCaffrey. He's got all these weapons, a great match against the Raiders defense, a game that might go into shootout territory. We have him as one of the top streaming quarterbacks you can go to this week. We love Teddy Bridgewater at QB 11. So he's a guy you can start. Christian McCaffrey, we don't need to talk about him. DJ Moore. Now this show has been low on DJ Moore heading into this season. And I've talked about it several times. I think because one, this offense is an offense that's designed to spread the ball around. They're not designed to target one wide receiver head and shoulders above others. Will he lead the way in targets? Yes, absolutely. But will it be the ungodly volume that he saw last season, which is what saved his fantasy value? No, I don't believe it will. I believe there will be more of a share to Robbie Anderson, the Curtis Samuel, to Ian Thomas. And of course, we all know Christian McCaffrey is going to get his as well in the passing game. And because he's not a guy who scores more than five touchdowns a year, 
there's some ceiling to what his fantasy value can be. Having said all that, he's our wide receiver 21 this week. Definitely a must play as your wide receiver too. Probably has one of the highest floors and will continue to be one of the guys who have one of the highest floors all throughout the year, especially when you talk about half point or full point PPR leagues. And it's a great matchup here. It wouldn't surprise me he has top 10 potential this particular week because of the matchup. But we're not... DJ Moore's not going to be a wide receiver one for me at any point this season. I'm going to tell you the guys. Unless he just shoves it down my throat and proves me wrong, which could, po- which could be the case. Anything's possible. As it stands right now, I don't plan on him being a wide receiver one for me at any point this season. He doesn't have enough touchdown potential. And I'm telling you right now, this offense is not going to be designed around DJ Moore first and then everybody else. It's going to be everybody else. It's going to be spreading it out. Robbie Anderson, I like him a lot in DFS. He's really cheap. And he's a guy in this situation who has big play capabilities. And I guarantee you, and one of the big reasons why we're as big as Teddy Bridgewater this week as we are, is I guarantee you he's going to prove to everyone this week, right off the bat, that he's a better deep ball thrower than anybody wants to give him credit for. Nobody wants to give him credit as a deep ball thrower. They all want to treat him as a game manager. That's because of the situation and what he was asked to do the past couple of times that we've actually seen him start on the field, especially with the Saints. That's not what he is as a starter. Now, he's an accurate guy. He wants to attack more of the intermediate part of the field, but he can throw a good deep ball. Robbie Anderson's going to give him that opportunity to do it this week. I like Anderson for a big play this week, so he's definitely a sleeper play of mine. I, like I said, I love him in DFS. Contrarian play didn't get cheap. We have him at wide receiver 41 with upside potential this week as far as our rankings go. You're not playing Curtis Samuel this week. We still got to see what exactly his involvement is is going to be compared to the other weapons on this offense. He's a guy that I think very well might be the odd man out when it comes to this. And Ian Thomas is nothing more than a sleeper tight end for us uh, as well. I mean, it's, yes, it's a great matchup. We still have a tight end eight. He's still a guy who has to impress me. I, I throw him in there because I know he's going to be targeted, but he's still a guy who has to show me, kind of like Mike Isecki, are you an athlete or are you a football player at the tight end position? And that's kind of what I need to see out of Ian Thomas. And I'm not necessarily sold that he's not just more of an athlete than a football player. The Colts and the Jacksonville Jaguars. For the Colts, it's all going to be about what is the rotation between Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines. Remember, because we had to throw him in. What is his offense exactly going to look like with Phillip Rivers? Is it going to be what Phillip Rivers' offenses have looked like in the past, primarily shotgun, or is this going to be a different offense for Phillip Rivers? What is the wide receiver situation behind T.Y. Hilton on the Indianapolis Colts? According to the depth chart, Mike Pippen Jr. is only a wide receiver four. Where's Paris Campbell at in his development? Well, how does healthy does Jack Doyle look? A lot of question marks on this team. And not a lot of must plays. Now, you're playing as a Jacksonville Jaguars, which makes everything easier. So, T.Y. Hilton, you know, he's a guy who comes into this season as a wide receiver three for us. Coming into this week, around the uh, top 36 territory. Wide receiver. No, actually, I have him much lower than that. That's actually a little bit surprising. I have him at a uh, wide receiver 46. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, look at, there's a lot of wide receivers like this week. So he's another guy who I wouldn't be surprised if he came wide receiver 36. But he's a guy who we had ranked coming into the season as a wide receiver three. And the question for him was going to be if Parrish Campbell's truly going to play the slot. Well, then what's your role? Are you going to get the opportunity to also rotate in on a consistent basis 
and become Philip Rivers' new Keenan Allen, or are you going to be designated to the perimeter where I don't think Philip Rivers can throw the deep ball anymore? Not with any kind of accuracy. Not with any kind of purpose. So that's going to be something to watch too. But of, of everybody, T.Y. Hilton is the guy that I'm having my eye on. Getting some reports now that David Montgomery didn't actually do much yesterday, so it just goes to our point of we don't think he's going to play. Outside of that, I actually don't know. You probably spent a high draft pick on Jonathan Taylor, but I wouldn't start. I don't know if I would be comfortable starting him for sure this week. And you know, you go by my rankings, I definitely don't have him starting this week because Marlon Mack is the starter. Now we have one beat writer. I don't know how much credit I put into this today, but the one beat writer came out today saying that Jonathan Taylor was drafted to spell Marlon Mack in the mid game to keep him fresher for the fourth quarter. Kind of suggesting that they drafted Jonathan Taylor to keep Marlon Mack fresher this season and just feature Marlon Mack this year. I don't, I'm not quite that far. I know I've been one of the lowest people on Jonathan Taylor this year because I don't like the fact that I think this is truly a three way committee. Naeem Hines getting the passing down work and then Marlon Mack splitting the carries with Jonathan Taylor. And that's why I think he's just, his ceiling is just really capped as far as what he's going to be able to do unless he does take over at some point this season, which I don't think is a given like everybody else does. But I'm not quite on the point where I'm like, Jonathan Taylor was only drafted to spell Marlon Mack here and there. I'm not, I'm not on that side of things. I thought I was low, but that was crazy. I have Marlon Mack as running back 39 this week. I have Jonathan Taylor. We'll just say lower than that. <laughs> Can't find it here. Uh, we have Jonathan Taylor lower than that. So neither one of them are must-starts for us. But I will say if you have them... I mean, you're not going to get many better matchups than the Jacksonville Jaguars. So if you want to play one of them in the flex, because they are going, they both do have ceiling potential, either Marlon Mack or Jonathan Taylor or both are going to have opportunities to break one in this game. I have RB38. I actually have one spot ahead of, John, uh, of Marlon Mack this week. Um, and the reason for that, and I was actually just about to get into that, why I think Jonathan Taylor does have a little bit maybe more ceiling than Marlon Mack does, is because if I have to pick between the two to break one, it would be Jonathan Taylor. But I think they both could. But I have them both outside of that top 36 area where you're, where you're looking at them in flex positions because I just I think they both have low floors because we don't know what the rotation between these three running backs are going to be. And if they don't break one, they're not getting a lot of volume. It just could lead to issues. Somebody's going to get a touchdown in this game. And I'm going to lean towards that touchdown being, unless Jonathan Taylor breaks a big one, I'm going to lean towards that touchdown being Marlon Mack because he's going to be the quote-unquote starter and I think being that he's the veteran guy, I think he's going to get first crack of the goal line. Whether you think that's right or wrong, whether I think that's right or wrong, I think Taylor definitely has more talent than Marlon Mack, but that's going to be the reality of the situation. And this is, this is another situation where I'd rather just let it play it out week one and actually get my first taste of how it looks, even though it's a great matchup and you might, you might hate yourself for missing out on it because it is a great matchup. But I'd rather see how it plays out. What is the ideal situation of how the Colts went? Because they're, they're going to be able to run the ball. They're, they should dominate this game. So they're going to be able to be in the game plan of utilizing Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor as much as they would want to in this game like they would have throughout the entire season. So we're going to get a good idea of what is the rotation between those three. What is the idea behind in that backfield? We're going to get a good idea this week. I'd rather let it play out. So outside of T.Y. Hill, I don't know how many Colts I'm really actually starting this week. And even T.Y. Hilton, I think there's other guys who have more of a ceiling this particular week to go with. 
on the Jacksonville Jaguars side of the ball. I'm starting DJ Chark, and I'm starting Chris Thompson as a possible flex. That's it. James Robinson, forget it. Devin Ozigbo went on the IR today. He's gone. So this is going to be Robinson and Thompson's backfield majority. Robinson will probably get more of the carries, but this is a team that's going to be down by a couple scores probably for the majority of this game. And I just think Chris Thompson, as long as he's healthy, is going to have more value than anybody in this backfield for the rest of the season because he is going to be Jay Gruden's guy throwing the football to. And this is a team that I plan on being shotgun a lot. And this is a team that might throw the ball over 600 times this year out of necessity, kind of like the Carolina Panthers did a season ago. That, that could be what we're looking at. So I like Thompson. I like Chark. And I'm not playing Minshew. Period. Just kind of sum that up. Next up, last game that we got to talk about. And before we get into the mailbag segment, I'm so excited. We went long today, but you know what? It's the first, it's the first episode back. There's a lot to talk about. And I'm just excited. Football's back. Football's back, guys. So to wrap it up for the early Sunday games, we got the Cleveland Browns. We got the Baltimore Ravens. And obviously, you have to play Nick Chubb. That's number one. Well, I guess I should have let her. The number one is that there's no injury news for either one of these teams, so that's the good news there. Uh, number one, you have to play Nick Chubb. We have him at RB15. I don't necessarily love the matchup. The Baltimore Ravens... Their defense is going to be interesting. Now, them getting rid of Earl Thomas hurts some things when it comes to the passing game of how dominant I thought they, they could be as a whole because I thought with Earl Thomas and Marcus Peters now for a full season and the additions they made to that defensive line, I don't know if they had a weakness. Now I do think you can beat them deep a little bit. But when it comes to the running game, I mean, with Clayus Campbell there and, and, and just that, whew, I mean, it's a beefy D-line. Beefy D-line. This is a team I don't know how well you're going to be able to run the ball against, typically speaking. But Nick Chubb's great. System's great. You know, he's still an RB2. He's still already running back 15. Just not a great matchup. So don't, I just wouldn't expect RB1 production out of him this week. But it'll come. Kareem Hunt, RB22. Another guy that we have, we actually have him as an R, we have him as an RB2 in half-point PBR leagues. I'm telling you right now, Kareem Hunt's going to be the guy who catches the ball. And, and I believe we'll at least have a 40 split when it comes to the carries. I believe it's going to be 60-40. Or no, it's going to be 65-35 split when it comes to the carries. And then a 65-35 split in Kareem Hunt's favor when it comes to receptions. Essentially being a two-way back. And the fact that they just gave him a two-year contract extension pretty much told me everything I need to know to confirm my notion that Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb were going to be sharing this backfield. Pretty much confirmed that for me. So I have him as an RB2 as well. Now, of course, he's a lower end RB2. He doesn't have the potential, the ceiling necessarily that Nick Chubb does. And this is this still isn't a great matchup. But I think there's a chance that because they have such a beefy defensive line, that the Kareem Hunt as the pass catcher might have a better floor than Nick Chubb in this particular game, especially when we're talking about half-point full-way leagues. But they are guys that I'm playing as RB2s. OBJ. He is a wide receiver two for us this week at wide receiver 14. Is Marcus Peters a good corner? Yes, but 
you can still beat Marcus Peters. And he also does not follow wide receivers. He plays on one side of the field. So they're going to be able to move Beckham around. They're going to be able to move him with with Landry kind of in and out. And like I talked about this before, even though this is going to be a run-first team, even if they don't throw the ball a ton, they don't have a third receiver. All of the targets for the wide receivers are all going to go to OBJ and Jarvis Landry. Obviously not 100% of them, but 90%, yeah, that's where it's going to go between those two guys. So they're going to get enough target share to just enough volume to make sure they have high floors. And with OBJ, if he's 100% healthy, we know that he can be a wide receiver one any given week. So he's a must-play high-end wide receiver two for us this week. Jarvis Landry is our wide receiver 25. Have him just outside the wide receiver two territory. Have him as a high-floor flex play. And he's always going to be a high-floor type of player in your half-point full point PBR leagues anyway. That's why you have him on your team. He's consistent as they come. Do I love the matchup this week again? No, not really. Their ceilings are capped as a result of that, but they still have high floors, and I'm still playing them. Austin Hooper. If you drafted Austin Hooper, you had to play Austin Hooper because you drafted him as a tight end one. We have him ranked tight end nine this particular week because we know Baker Mayfield loves his tight ends when it comes to the red zone. So Hooper is going to be a guy who can get a touchdown any given week. And, that, and if you do that as a tight end, you're going to be a guy who could be a top 10 tight end any given week as a result of that. So you're playing Austin Hooper. Not playing Maker Eggfield. I don't, like I said, I've made this many times already with the Browns. Don't love the matchup. Not going to be a high volume passing team. I don't have Baker Mayfield as a guy you can start coming into this season. I had him in the low 20s. I have a QB 28 this week. So you're not playing Baker Mayfield. We got to see what exactly how he looks in this new offense. We have to see that. That's going to be the question mark that we're going to be asking ourselves that we're going to be watching for. On the Baltimore Ravens side of things, Lamar Jackson, nothing to say there. Mark Ingram, you're playing him. Marquise Brown, you're playing him. Mark Andrews, you're playing him. I think the only question is, do you play J.K. Dobbins too? And my answer to that would be no. He might have a decent week this week. He might be a flex-worthy player, and I'm not ruling that out as a possibility. We have him as RB33, so we do have him in that flex conversation. I do think he's going to be involved. I do think he's going to get double-digit touchdowns this week. But, again, it's another situation because we have such little data. I would tend to think I have other safer options that I can go to and kind of let this week play out as my indicator of what I can kind of expect moving forward with Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins. Now, I can tell you what it is that we do expect as of right now. We expect him to, like I said, get maybe 8 to 10 carries, and get at least 3 to 4, maybe 2 to 4 receptions, probably a better way to say it. So we expect him to get double-digit touches at the end of the day. We expect Mark Ingram to get at least 15 carries at the end of the day. And with this team, I don't think Cleveland's a team that scares you as far as the run game goes, especially when it comes to the way the Baltimore Ravens run the football. That could be enough touches to give you, you know, definitely flex, top 36, top 24 type of performance. I would rather take the shot on a Dobbins in a DFS league this week than in a redraft, though. Because you should have other, like I said, you should have other safer options that you can kind of turn to. He is on our flex territory as far as ranking goes. But I would rather, if I can, see how this week plays out before I go with J.K. Dobbins and just kind of give me a more solid ground foundation heading into week two. That wraps up the previews for the Thursday night and the early games 
Before we go ahead and get into our mailbag segment, I do want to talk to you guys about one of my favorite sponsors that we have called Trophy Smack. Commemorate your league in the best possible way. At Trophy Smack, create trophies, belts, and rings with free engraving and shipping. And now you can get a free ring with your purchase of a trophy or belt if you use the promo code BELLYUP. So check out Trophy Smack today. Today. One of the best reasons to play fantasy football is to win the championship and have a trophy to lord over your friends. So I don't know why more people don't do Trophy Smack because they really are one of the best in the industry. Moving on to the mailbag segment, and then we can close down our very long first episode of the season. And we'll be back tomorrow, of course. Remember, with the late afternoon Sunday games, with the Sunday night game, and the two Monday night game previews, along with recapping what happens in tonight's game between the Houston Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs. And of course, we'll also update you if there's any uh, injury news that you guys need to be updated on from the early games. Those are all things that we'll be doing in tomorrow's episode. So our mailbag segment today, and remember, if you ever want to get on the mailbag segment or need questions answered by me, need help for your fantasy lineups this week, you can always call the MD Nation hotline 609-362-2480. Leave your voicemail, your comment, your rant, your question, your concern, and we'll get you on the air. Or you can contact us on social media, on Twitter, and on Facebook at Show, or you can email us directly, mdsfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Now, if I could ever pull this up, we have first up football head from Twitter asked me Joe Burrow or Kirk Cousins this week. Um, my first inclination would be to say neither, and that if you can pick up a Teddy Bridgewater, we would rather have you do that. Or if you could pick up a Tyrod Taylor against the Cincinnati Bengals, we'd rather have you do that. Those are two guys that are usually available in most of your leagues. So my first answer to you, football heads, would be to neither and look at see if one of those two guys are available. If you're in a league where they're not. We can focus on the, the question itself between Joe Burrow and Kirk Cousins. And this particular week, we have Joe Burrow ranked at QB 23, and we have Kirk Cousins ranked at QB 25. It's close. Here's what I'll say why I would lean towards Burrow. He has some of the rushing abilities that you look for to give you that floor. And because they're going up against the Chargers, who I expect to dominate that game against the Cincinnati Bengals, even if Burrow doesn't look good in the first half, there's a very good chance they're going to be coming from behind. In the second half, he's going to get an added amount of volume. He does have a healthy A.J. Green. He has a healthy John Ross. He has Tyler Boyd. They have Joe Mixon. They have weapons there. They should be able to move the ball, even though this is going to be a very good Chargers defense, especially while they're healthy this season. But remember, no Derwin James, so that deep ball does become a little bit more open. So just the overall volume, I definitely believe Joe Burrow is going to have more volume this week than Kirk Cousins, and that's why we kind of give him the nod if you have to choose between the two. But ultimately, I would say Teddy Bridgewater or Tyrod Taylor if you could help it that way. Next question, we have Sydney who emailed us. Asked us, Jack Doyle or Dallas Goddard? Now, obviously, sleeper, streamer, tight end. I would ask, do you have better options available? I would, you know, typically, I would preferably not go with either one of those guys if you can help it this week. But if you don't, we have Jack Doe at tight end 21. We have Dallas Goddard at tight end 24. Remember, Trey Burton is out for at least the next three weeks. The Colts, we talked about them, how I'm not really super excited to start almost any of their guys, even though it's a plus matchup because of the Jacksonville Jaguars, because there's so many times here, there's so many questions about how we expect that playing time to roll out or what we expect to see out of the offense. The only guy I feel okay about starting as my flex or my wide receiver three is T.Y. Hilton. 
But somebody still has to be the red zone target. And Michael Pittman really is in the wide receiver four that they suggest on the depth chart. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But if he is, that means his playing time might be relegated to minimum at best week one. Well, Jack Doyle might be a guy who is just targeted a bit more in this game. He's one of the few trustworthy targets in this one. Philip Rivers likes going to the tight end. There's a lack of red zone targets. There's a path for Jack Doyle to have a solid game in this one in this matchup. Where Dallas Goddard, where, you know, yes, the Eagles are dealing with a lot of injuries, but you still have to compete with Zach Ertz. You're going to have to compete with Sean Jackson, at least for this game. Uh, a Miles Sanders of Boston Scott. He had He's too touchdown dependent, where Jack Doyle actually might be looking at five to seven targets this week. I think there's just more of a floor there. And he does have, I think, just as much of a likelihood as Dallas Goddard does of scoring this particular week. So I would, I would lean towards Jack Doyle, but I would ask, you know, is there an Ian Thomas available? Is there an Eric Ebron available? Is there a Greg Olson available? Like, There's other tight ends I think I would stream ahead of them if you had the opportunity to go that route. Bryce from Facebook asked us, Sammy Watkins or Will Fuller? This should not... I'm surprised by this question. This shouldn't be a question. Will Fuller, hands down. I mean, we talked about this today. and This, this is the Thursday night game, so that's why I chose this question. I thought it was a good one to kick us off for the, or, or finish off with that. We don't know Sammy Watkins from Michael Hartman. We don't have a lot of training camp data. We don't actually know... If Sammy Watkins is definitely that second wide receiver to Tyreek Hill, we assume he is. He's listed in the depth chart as is. We're not sure. And even when he has been, he hasn't been the most overly productive guy. He's been kind of disappointing since joining the Kansas City Chiefs. Will Fuller's in a situation where Brandon Cooks is either not playing tonight or he's going to be limited. So Will Fuller will be the wide receiver one in a situation where we could either see a shootout or Kansas City blowing the Houston Texans out and the Texans having to throw the ball a ton in the second half. And as long as Will Fuller is healthy, you have to play him because he has wide receiver one potential any given week that he's actually healthy for. It's just a matter of when does he get injured because that's been the story of his career. But for this week, I mean, Will Fuller is ranked as our wide receiver nine. He's, he's a wide receiver one for us. He's a top 10 guy. So that shouldn't even be a question there either. That wraps up the show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. We're going to be back tomorrow with our recap of the Thursday Night Football, the late Sunday afternoon games preview, and the Sunday night and the two Monday night game previews as well. Of course, we'll be back with another mailbag segment, so make sure you hit us up on social media to get on that. And we will be seeing you then. Everybody, enjoy your opening kickoff tonight. Make sure you're listening to us on your favorite podcast app, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, wherever you like to go. And watch us on the YouTube Stream, Swordscaster, Twitter, Periscope, and newly available on Twitch as well. We'll be seeing you guys all real soon. Everybody stay safe and healthy. Enjoy football tonight, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Belly Up Sports, MD's fantasy football show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, 
prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.